I'm Jack Moylan, and you're listening to Let's Talk Business, a podcast geared towards young professionals served with a side of witty commentary. At Lutz, we rally around the mantra, make light, meaning be lighthearted, illuminate solutions, and create energy. We hope this episode will do just that. Let's make the complex simple. All right, well, welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Business. In this episode, we are talking about employee assistance programs, or you may know them as EAPs. Uh, I'm excited to announce we have a very special guest with us, licensed medical health practitioner Robin Burnett. Um, Robin, could you give us you know, a little introduction about yourself and, and your role as Accountant Education Services Manager at Methodist uh, Best Care EAP and you know, kind of your background? I mean, you can get as personal as you want. It's, you know, let's really just you know, help everyone understand who we're talking with. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Jack. I appreciate being a part of this podcast. Uh, I am a licensed mental health practitioner. Um, I have for I have been for over a decade. Um, I have experience in the private practice sector. I also have a lot of experience in hospital behavioral health, but really the bulk of my experience came in community behavioral health in a nonprofit sector. Um, where I spent a good eight to nine years in that arena, um, working with adults with severe mental illness. So really my specialty is with the the abnormal mental health conditions. So really the day-to-day run-of-the-mill mental health issues, I haven't always been well-versed in. It's more the extreme of people suffering from schizophrenia and bipolar. But this has been a really great experience since I came on board with Best Care um, almost two years ago. So what happened was in my, in my previous life, working with adults with severe mental illness, I was in a management role. I managed a team of about 25 staff that went into the homes of adults with mental illness and helped them live their day-to-day lives and, and ultimately helping them stay out of the hospital. Um, but what I saw were really high rates of burnout and compassion fatigue. So people that um, are in a helping profession and just completely burnt out, not wanting to do what they do anymore, and ultimately leaving the profession altogether, which is really sad because we need people doing that kind of work. Um, and it was much more prevalent than what I had ever known or what statistics had told me in school. And so I really wanted to take a different look at how I was practicing um, you know, with my licensure and look at it more from an employee level. You know, we always talk about patient care, customer care, client care, whatever the case may be, but then forgetting about employee mental health. And um, that really became my focus on a preventative and a proactive approach. And that's what led me to Best Care, um, like I said, about almost two years ago. So that's who I am. I, I have two little toddlers um, at home, and my, my husband is a, um, a transplant resident at UNMC. So we're, we're busy, and um, I, I definitely have felt the burnout before. Um, you know, again, I think it goes back to it being a relative feeling, right? You know, depending on what role you're in and what organization or industry, burnout's a very real thing. Uh, so I guess, could you maybe elaborate a little bit on your specific role um, with, with Best Care and day-to-day or how, or your involvement with, you know, employee assistance programs or specifically Lutz's? Um, yeah, sure. You know, I, I've taken a much different position, um, clinically speaking. I, I don't provide direct uh, patient care anymore, which is completely different than anything I, I had ever done previously or why I originally went into this field. But now I feel like I can have a much greater impact on a community level and on an organizational level. Uh, prior to me joining the team at Best Care, they had always had somebody uh, with experience more on the business end of things. They had never had a clinician in my role. 
And uh, so it was completely new to me to talk about proposals and ROI. And I had never experienced anything like that. But really, I feel that I can offer a clinical perspective when I meet with business owners or HR directors and say how this can make a huge impact on your workforce, um, not only to the individuals, but just trying to instill a, a healthier culture altogether. Um, so I can provide that clinical perspective. Uh, but what I do for Best Care is I manage all of our accounts. So we partner with over 200 organizations, uh, both locally in the, in the greater Omaha area, but also nationally. Uh, so we have a great deal of, of companies that, um, Lutz included, that have branches, other places, and we serve those locations as well. Uh, so I manage those accounts. I make sure that they're fully serviced, that they're happy with their services. Um, I have a team of five that work for me. Um, I have an account manager, a marketing person, and I have three trainers. So that is the other half of my position is I manage our education. So EAP is not just, um, as far as best care is concerned, it's not just the counseling piece. It's also the training um, and education. So we go in and do a lot of lunch and learns on health and wellness topics. Also, our bread and butter really has been on soft skills with leadership training. So, you know, a lot of stuff that we don't learn as we get promoted up in positions, you know, we learn about the skill sets or um, the specific aspects of our job description, but we don't really know how to be a great manager and lead. And so that's what we teach. Um, we, ha we host a lot of boot camps and things like that. So those are, that's what I oversee with Best Care. We have a team of clinicians and we have a clinical manager that oversees the clinical side who I work directly with, uh, but I more manage our accounts. Yeah. Do you enjoy the, I guess, the business side of it? I do. I, I didn't think that I would. And people warn me uh, who are clinicians who have gone to the other side, whether it was insurance or whatever the case may be, and said, well, you're going to really miss direct patient care. I can tell you so far, I have not because I feel like I'm making a difference in a different way. If I didn't feel like I was making a difference and really speaking um, as an advocate for mental health, I think that I would really be missing what I did prior, but I feel like I can do it on a different level now. And um, I, I feel like I have a much bigger touch point than what I ever did before. You know, I could do things one-on-one -on -one and make a difference as far as my employees and their clients that they were serving, but now I can do it on a much greater scale. You know, our, our largest organization we partner with is about 12,000 employees. So that's, that's a pretty big touch point for me. And I feel like I can, I can make a big difference um, by hopping on and doing calls like this, um, podcasts and Zoom meetings, and just reminding people about um, taking care of their mental health, whether they partner with Best Care or not. I think it's great to hear that you really appreciate and understand, you know, the business side of it, because I think obviously something like an employee assistance program is so important. And, and um, you know, the clinical side of it is clearly the bread and butter, I guess, for lack of a better term of that service and what you're trying to, the service you're providing a, a client, I guess, you know, that, that benefits them. But not only the clinical side is important, but also the business side. So I think the marriage of the two, um, I mean, you can't offer your service if it's not, working out for both sides of the relationship, you know, right, so right. I think that's, especially when you're involved in the ground floor service or product or manufacturing piece, you, you lose sight of how important it is to maintain those relationships uh, from the big picture level. So, right. Um, yeah, it's, it's a different, it's a totally different perspective, I'm sure, but it's one that you can derive a lot of value from too still. 
Yeah, it's interesting. I, I've thought before, you know, should I go back and get my MBA or something? But I mean, right now, I'm just kind of learning as I go. And it's worked out well. But at the same time, I do feel it would be helpful from like a sales perspective, or just um, account management business side of things, if you know, maybe that would be my in my next education path. <laughs> and I mean, I'm sure you're always I mean, we're all always learning, I guess, you right. know, that never that never stops. Um, so, it, you know, it's Mental Health Awareness Month. As I'm sure you're you're aware of, uh, we we just got done recording another podcast with an individual named Tyler Bird, who is a uh, mental health professional at a place called Complete Wellness, and we had a great conversation about mental health awareness and um, awesome. you know things that you can do to 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 take care of yourself. I guess from your perspective, how important is mental health awareness and and having a month like this and and making sure that it's something that people are are comfortable with talking about. Yeah, it's it's crucial. And you know, it's interesting. I have never in you know again, I've been in the, doing this for um just about 12 years now. I've never talked about mental health as I have in the last 3 months. It's been amazing. I mean, obviously I don't want to make light of a pretty tragic situation that we're experiencing right now, but as a mental health professional, I can't help but be giddy about the fact that we're talking about mental health. I'm getting asked to do things like this that I normally probably wouldn't. And uh, I do, I would say on average, at least four or five presentations a week. So um, again, that, that has never been my norm. I mean, I would maybe do one a quarter. Um, and so the silver lining of what's going on right now are people people are wanting to talk about mental health and taking care of your mental health, keeping yourself well, and that's a true blessing, I think, um, you know, not only for folks that have suffered for so long with mental illness, but for those folks that are experiencing it for the first time ever. And so um, I think it's really important and it really uh, couldn't be more timely that it falls, you know, during this time of, of mental health awareness. We just had a, a webinar, a three-part webinar series um, that I hosted three Tuesdays in a row. The first one we talked about what even is mental health. The second one, how does it impact your organization with the toll on your bottom line, uh, more on a fiscal sense. But I also, I tied in COVID and all of it. Um, and then the last one, how do you have a mental health friendly workplace? How do you instill that in your culture? So it was really well received. We had a lot of registrants, um, some of which weren't even best care clients that just wanted to hop on and learn more about mental health. So people are, are asking for it. They're interested in it. So the fact that people are, are willing to listen, I'll, I'll speak all day long about it. You know, it's exciting to me to see how much passion you have for it, because I, I understand how important it is just through, you know, the human condition and especially a situation like this with coronavirus, how important it is to keep in mind that, you know, we've got to take care of ourselves throughout it. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure Tyler shared that some statistics, you know, that statistically speaking, they say one in five, um, we'll just use employees as an example, but one in five employees is suffering with uh, mental health issues. Arguably, that's increasing. And they are saying it's more like one in four. Um, and I wow. think, especially during this time, it's, it's very, very prevalent. So if you look around in an office space and think, wow, one in four to five of us is suffering with something, that's pretty powerful. I think it, it really points to the fact that, you know, something like an employee assistance program is needed and is positive thing and needs to be 
educated upon and people need to understand it. So I guess, why don't we get right into it? Um, could you walk us through what exactly is an employee assistance program? Um, and I know we talk about mental health, but is it only available for those that are suffering from mental health conditions or illnesses or, or what are, so what is an EAP and who can benefit from it? Yeah. So an e EAP, an employee assistance program, and I still to this day have no idea how they came up with EAP um, or employee assistance program. I think it was so stigmatized back in the day. It really came prevalent in the 1950s. And um, it, it came more out of a need for uh, a lot of people were out, out to war. And so they were hiring a lot of professionals um, that had substance and alcohol issues. Uh, and I'll, I'll kind of try to answer both those questions without going on too much of tangents, but initially, and this is why EAPs are so um, underutilized to this day, is there still that existing thought that it's on a punitive level. So back in the day, in the, in the 50s, um, it was used for substance and alcohol treatment on a mandatory basis for employees. Now, they've evolved um, since the 80s and 90s, and um, it's much more of a proactive approach. It's really taking care of your mental health um, you know, again, preventatively, not until the crap hits the fan or my life is falling apart and I need some assistance. It's really saying, no, I, maybe I just need to go and do a quick mental health check-in. I'm coming back from maternity leave or um, I'm having some other life transition. I just would like somebody to talk to. So that's really uh, what our focus is on a, a preventative level. But EAP, the bare bones of it is really just um, mental health counseling for a workforce. We partner um, with organizations where an employer paid benefit. Um, so it's at no cost to the employee who benefit, who utilizes the service. The only time that there'd be a cost involved is if they exceed the allotted number of sessions that that, that organization has contracted for. Um, so quite honestly, most organizations will say, yeah, we want to offer five or six uh, counseling sessions to our employees per year. Now, the nice thing about Best Care is that we offer that per unique issue. So if you came in on Jan in January because you were having marital problems, but then right now you're struggling with anxiety due to COVID, you could come back in and get those five more sessions um, completely free. Um, if you go outside of those sessions, we try to really look at your insurance plans and keeping you within insurance and, and try to keep that out-of-pocket expenses down. Um, you can also utilize our, our services at a cash rate after that, but we really try to get as much accomplished. We have like a 95% resolution rate. So trying to get as much accomplished within those, those sessions. Um, so they're very proactive in, in goal setting. You know, why did you seek out services and um, really trying to get to the bottom of it pretty quickly. So it's short term. It's a short term counseling model is what EAP is. And it's for the employees and their dependent family members. So it's not just for the employee. And that's a common thing that people aren't aware of. So if you have a significant other or if you have dependents, uh, that's something that people need to be aware of, that it's not just for the employee. And there's no eligibility. So um, at least from Best Care, and I can only speak from Best Care. I know a lot of other EAPs operate a little bit differently. As far as we're concerned, that uh, you know, we don't have to, you know, when somebody calls and says, yeah, my, my husband Jack works at Lutz, we don't have to call Jack and get permission. We don't have to do anything like that. That's all we need to get somebody started for services. At the end of the day, um, we don't want to turn anybody away, especially if they're in distress. Um, we want to get them the help that they, that they need. So that's what EAPs are at the core. 
Best Care is considered an enhanced EAP provider in that we offer a slew of other services. Like I mentioned, that our trainings, our critical incident response. So if there was ever like a, a worksite accident or a sudden death of an employee, those are things that you don't want to take lightly as an employer and the impact that it could have on your workforce. So we can actually have counselors come on site and offer some debriefing, whether that's at, on a group setting or one-on-one. So there's a lot of other services that we offer. Um, we have performance coaching. Um, like I mentioned, the boot camps. We, we have a lot to offer, um, not just those core services of counseling. Um, so that's what EAPs are. Who can access them? Well, um, anybody that is an employee of that or, um, like I said, a, a spouse or dependent. You do not have to have any mental health diagnoses prior. In fact, I, I would really love for people to just utilize this service, like I mentioned, on a preventative level and just saying, I, I want an unbiased person that I can talk to about this situation that I'm struggling with. I mean, if you think about things that keep you preoccupied, whether you're at work or at home, you know, whatever the case may be, and, and using that, um, that EAP benefit proactively. We, I had met with a couple people last, uh, it was going into this, into the school season. It was the beginning of last August. I had two different HR directors tell me, yeah, my family uses our EAP benefit as a quick mental health check-in with uh, the kids and I before they start school. I thought, how cool is that? That is something that historically we don't think of EAPs, you know, it's either oh, I got in trouble and I have to go to EAP or again, my life is falling apart and I, I should probably call somebody. Um, but I, I just thought that was really cool. And if more people utilize that, I think we would see higher utilization overall of an EAP and more likely that more organizations are going to partner with folks like us and um, offering those services. What are the, what are common, you know, things that someone will reach out to the EAP for? Is it, is it primarily mental health? Is it addiction? I mean, what, what are the number of things? Because I, I would really like for people to be able to listen to this and, and say, oh, wow, okay, I didn't realize that was something that, that I could reach out for this. And now you, you mentioned proactively, of course, but what are some of the other things that you've seen? Yeah, our number one assessed reason why somebody accesses EAP is marriage and relationship. And it has been for like 10 or 20 years. It's always been number one, which is really interesting to me because prior to being with best care. I don't know if I would have immediately thought that. I would have thought, oh, it's probably job related. No, it's not. I mean, again, if your personal life has gone awry, that is going to keep you from doing anything productive outside of that. Really and truly, our personal lives are our number one priority, whether our employer likes to think so or not. You know, it's, it just is true. So marriage and relationship is our number one by far. The interesting thing, I so I just started less than two years ago. When I first started, anxiety was number six. It's now number two. So you can see just in a short amount of time, and I think that a lot of things have played into that, um, whether, you know, it's environmental. You know, we see a lot of stuff in the media, politically. I mean, there's a lot of things that have played into that. But I just think it's really interesting in a short amount of time how quickly anxiety has climbed. Um, and I'm just talking about our full book of business. Um, and third, uh, the third reason for somebody to access services that have, have been family issues. So it's not uncommon that people will bring their whole family in for counseling. Keep in mind, even if you have a great insurance plan with mental health services, marriage and family are, are typically not covered under insurance ever. Uh, so those are things that people have to pay out of pocket for. So use your EAP for free. 
so that would be third. I think depression would be um, four. Uh, we separate out um, emotional and mental health. We separate out depression and anxiety because they are so prevalent. And then uh, fifth would be related to job and career. I guess the next, you know, I think the most important thing is identifying if you feel like you can utilize the AAP for a certain situation. The next probably most important thing is how do you, how do you do it? How do you go about utilizing an EAP? Who do you call? Is it confidential? You know, I, I think those are important anxieties on, in their own to, you know, to curb um, just by education. Yeah. And, and sadly, EAPs just get so buried when it comes to benefits. You know, you think about when you first started at your organization and you're going through all of your ben- benefits, you're completely inundated with stuff. And my first priority is when I'm getting paid, how much I'm getting paid, and what are my insurance benefits as far as medically. Um, Somewhere along the line, so oftentimes when people are like, what's an EAP? And I say, well, have you ever started a new company and you're hearing all the things, you go through your onboarding for the first two days and you hear something about free counseling? That's what EAP is. Oh, yeah, now I know what you're talking about. So I'd, I'd first look on your employer's intranet if almost as a last resort, because I think uh, the reality is, I, I just re- read a recent statistic, the reality is like less than 30% of employees feel comfortable talking about their mental health with um, their HR person or their manager. So as a last resort, go to your HR uh, personnel, who your representative within your organization and ask for more information. They'll usually um, have a bunch of different promotional pieces out. They should anyway. I would love for us to get to a place where we don't have to go and sneak around and try to find this. I would love for them to be out in the open. I would love for more people to be talking about it. You see in Canada, in the UK, they have huge social movements related to mental health. They have time to talk days, national time to talk, where they sponsor a complete day just talking about mental health in the workplace. So I would love to get to a place where we can talk about it openly, but we're not there unfortunately. And so I think it's just important to find ways to access the EAP without feeling stigmatized, you know, or stereotyped in any sort of way. So first and foremost, I would check your your employer's intranet. I would ask a trusted coworker. They might know. There is no better testimonial from uh, than from a coworker. Uh, if they've used the benefit or if they know about a benefit, um, and so I, that goes twofold. If you know about the benefit, you see somebody struggling, please tell them about that because they're not going to, you don't know until you need it. And so um, I just think it's really important for, for people to share that information. So that's where I would look. Um, the, the biggest misconception about an EAP is that it's not confidential. And I can tell you as a former manager of um, an organization that partnered with Best Care, I would have to combat this all the time. I would have my employees say, well, yeah, but Joe Smith used it. And I heard that got back to their supervisor. Well, it was probably a completely different situation. Maybe it was a mandatory referral. There was major performance issues. And even still, Joe would have had to sign a release. There is no way we could ever release any information. And even at that, it's pretty minimal information. It's pretty much like just Joe showed up. And that's only with those formal referrals where there's more punitive action. But if you're coming on your own, we call those self-referred cases voluntarily, I need help. That information is never released to your employer. The only thing that they get is the number of people that accessed it and what was their reason for accessing the service. There's some other demographic things like 
you know, how long they've been with an organization, really basic stuff. And that's more so to help that HR person implement things accordingly. So let's say they had a bunch of new hires, but they're not having new hires use the program. They're like, oh, maybe I should up my game on my onboarding and really making sure that they know about it. Maybe having an EAP representative come in and do a quick employee orientation related to EAP. So those are some things that we give the employer, but it's completely confidential. And um, I forget to mention that sometimes because I take it for granted. I know that it's confidential, but I realize that that's um, really, I would say in the top three reasons why employees don't reach out to EAP. They think it's gonna get back to their um, HR person or their manager kind of interesting that you bring up the UK or Canada uh, with their social movements towards mental health um, because I was actually, I guess before the COVID-19 uh, and, and this entire situation hit, I was actually at my barber shop getting a haircut and at the bar, the barber shop itself is kind of like therapy at times. You just have good oh, yeah. conversations and uh, my barber actually mentioned that there's a barbershop that he follows or keeps, you know, tabs on and, and communicates with in the UK that actually has one day a month. They call it mental health day. And if you're getting your haircut on that day, you got to come in and be prepared to just have conversations about mental health and how you're doing. And so I love that. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty cool seeing those kinds of, of things catch on because, you know, it, you, you never know who someone's comfortable with. It could be their family. It could be their it could be their manager, it could be who they work with, or it could be their barber. Yeah, so, yeah, it's it's a uh, it's a pretty cool thing. I hope it you know continues to gain some some gravity and and will continue to progress. Well, I think I with this, it, it is opening that door. Um, with with COVID, it's it's opening that door more so than what we even anticipated. So I I think that this is really going to be the start of a a bigger movement related to mental health. I agree. Um, is it? Is it normally just a phone call and then over the phone uh, counseling or does it turn into in-person counseling? How does that work? Uh, typically, people can reach out in a variety of different ways. We have a great contact us feature on our website. Um, I think that's a lot less threatening, a lot less scary for somebody to just send a quick email, say, hey, how do I even start services? What's the best way to contact or here's my schedule? Do you have anybody available? So that's the easiest way for somebody to do it is um, through your EAP's website. Uh, but picking up the phone and calling, setting up an appointment, right now our clinical appointments are only offered telephonically or via video chat, but we will be going back to in-person sessions. But really outside of this, it's based on what the employee would like to do. So we have some employees, especially the younger generation that is that are saying, oh, no, I, I'd rather just do a quick phone call or a video session for 15 minutes. You know, that historical hour-long appointment isn't always um, necessary for the employee. So we want to meet them where they're at. So whether it's a 20-minute check-in, they're calling from their car on their phone, that's totally fine. Uh, so that's that's a way to access. I, I had mentioned um, just kind of depends where uh, your employer has things located, like on their LMS system or their intranet. Um, you can usually find links there. Are there any other places that you think would be um, a good place for someone to go for more information on an employee assistance program? Um, other than, like you mentioned, their company's intranet or benefits guide or handbook. Um, yeah, any other resources you think would be good for someone to look into? 
Well, I think if they're in distress and they can't find anything, I think just having access to some local helplines or even national helplines is really helpful. I don't necessarily think going out there and just Googling EAPs would be overly helpful because it's likely you wouldn't find the right EAP that contracts with your organization. I think statistically speaking, it's over 90% of organizations actually have an EAP. Some are more buried in like a life or a life insurance or, or disability plan, um, but more opt for an enhanced service like Best Care. So even if they have a free product, they, they opt for um, an enhanced EAP. So I wouldn't encourage anybody to go out there and start Googling EAPs because it would be, you know, you could call one and they're like, yeah, we don't partner with your organization. So it wouldn't be overly helpful. But I think, you know, just trying to figure out what EAP your organization partners with, even if you had that, the name of it, then you could start um, doing your own research of, you know, Google searches. As long as you had the name of it, they'd get you taken care of for sure. But I think having access to some helplines would be really helpful too if you're in real great distress. Do you have any, um, you know, closing comments or thoughts or tips? I mean, this has been a great conversation, and I really appreciate you taking your time to talk to us today. Um, like you, like you mentioned, we could talk for hours, but I think we've done a good job of covering EAPs. But yeah, if you have any other closing comments or tips or thoughts, I'd be more than happy. I just think it's really important to reach out to people right now. Even though we're starting to see things open up, it doesn't mean that this is going away anytime soon. I think that um, a lot of researchers are considering this time pretty uh, scary as far as concern for mental health crises and suicide risk. So I think it's really important for people to reach out to people. Don't assume they're doing okay. Even if they say they are, they may not be. So um, try your best to reach out. I I talked to one organization that said that they had to reach out to five packs. So they were asking every employee to reach out to five individuals every single day. And they were holding people accountable. Like, hey, did you reach out to your five? So I I think that that's really important to reach out to people. Um, Don't turn down an invitation either. Even if I think this whole thing has created us to be somewhat like weird little introverts and not wanting to be social, but I encourage you, if somebody reaches out and says, hey, do you want to call? Do you want to Zoom? Do you want to do a happy hour? Whatever the case may be, take them up on it. Because chances are, even if you're dreading doing that because you just want to stay in your home and do nothing, it'll make you feel a million times better. So try to take people up on those social connections. It'll make you feel better, I promise. And then lastly, if there's any way that you could just give back to somebody, and whether it's just, it could just be reaching out to them, but maybe bring somebody a coffee, maybe, and just drop it off on the door. You know, just little things like that, I think, make a world of difference, not only for the recipient, obviously, but I think also for you, it helps your mental health by saying, I, I did something for someone um, and that, that bigger than me feeling. So I, I really think that is first and foremost, whether you partner with Best Care or not, I encourage you to look at who your EAP provider is, use it on a proactive basis. If we don't use it as employees, it's very likely that it'll be the bottom of the totem pole and get cut. And we don't want that to happen. But again, whether it's best care or not, we don't want that to happen. We don't want that to go away. It's a great benefit for people. And it keeps people from out-of-pocket expenses, using their insurance, and keeps them healthy and happy. So I I just think that's really important for people to use it uh, proactively and, and just spread that message with coworkers and friends. I hope. Anyone listening, you know, if, if they, if anything spurred their thoughts as far as 
hey, maybe I'm going to look into it a little bit more or um, at least they know it's out there. Um, but in any case, I really appreciate your time and it was great talking to you. Likewise. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. You've reached the end of another episode of Let's Talk Business. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast on your podcast app, Spotify, or iTunes. Thanks for listening and don't forget to make light.